Hello everybody, this is Chris and Lindsay from Revive the Church, and we're sitting in sunny California, just kidding, we're in uh, Fort Worth over here in the rain and the thunder, and we're doing a little podcast today talking about, I guess, the uh, effects that music and entertainment and stuff like that can have on you, at least from my experience. See, when Lindsay and I talk, we, and she is here. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> when we talk, we usually have opposite experiences about everything. Yes. And it's good that we have opposite experiences. Not because, usually, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, but it's good because not everybody has the same stuff I have or go through what I go through. Some people relate to you and they look at me like I'm a nut. But then there's some people look at me and they're like, how could she have never been through this, you know? So, anyway. But... uh what we're, you know, what I what I want to talk about is, you know, from something I noticed a couple of days yesterday, a couple of days ago, um, was the influence that things that I used to listen to and watch had on me when I lived in the world. And then how, when I got saved, God changed my life in such a way that they no longer have an influence on me. And it's it still blows my mind how it doesn't affect me the way it used to. You know, I, I tell people all the time that there's people out there that say, I was born this way, you know, and I, I thought I was born a lot of ways, you know, but when God got a hold of me, I realized I wasn't born that way. I was born into sin just like everybody else. There's sin out there. We're all born into it, and it is what it is. You know, we're all going to be subjected to sin, but when God gets a hold of us, then God changes everything, you know, and I see where lack of you know, having a relationship with God in my early years really affected my early years. So, I mean, these days especially, but even back before, like when we were growing up, before the internet and before so much access of everything on TV and whatnot, uh, you know, in a sense, we're talking about how what we watch and what we listen to affects us and how if we're not careful and most people in the world aren't going to be careful because you don't see anything wrong with it but um how you know musicians and movie stars and sports figures can easily become an idol Mm -hmm. and what they're portraying or even their actual lifestyles begin to influence ours yep so tell me a little bit about that with you growing up well, the way it started for me is when I was five years old, my dad was a janitor and a bus driver for the school system, a small town that I lived in in mid middle Texas. And not the town, it's just in the middle of Texas. But uh, anyway, uh, one day he he's cleaning out the bus after, uh, I guess, dropping off all the kids, and he finds this picture, a little three-by-three three picture. And he brings it in and says, I don't know what this is, but do you want it? Which was probably the biggest regret of his life. But he hands me this picture of the album cover for Kiss Alive, their first live album. And he hands it to me, and I look at it, and I have no clue what this is. Now, I like rock music because they, when I was four, they bought me a record player, and they bought my first record was an Elvis record. It had Hound Dog and Don't Be Cruel. So that was music. My parents listened to country, and I was like, this stinks. But rock I loved. 
and as a little kid. And I do believe that, you know, God had already predestined me to be a worshiper and worship him through music, worship him through drums. I believe that's what God put me on this earth for as part of my ministry. It's not all of it, but it's part of it. So now I'm already, I feel like I'm already predetermined to, determined to be a musician, but now I'm off on the wrong track. I got this picture of this band called Kiss, and I don't know who it is, but they're the most amazing looking things I've ever seen in my life. The makeup, the costumes, the guitars, the lights, the smoke, the fire, all in this one picture. And I was just like, and I fell in love with it, not in a sexual sense, just it was, man, this was awesome. I don't know what it is or who they are, but they're awesome. So I go to my friend's house on the next block and I show him, oh yeah, that's Kiss, it's a rock band. He, he gets his older brother who sees it, brings an album out, plays it, and I'm hooked. I'm just like, dude, this is my life right here. And so until the day Kiss took their makeup off, I wouldn't listen to hardly anything but that. Now, I, I mean, I'd listen to stuff on the radio, but I would I didn't buy another album. I just bought Kiss albums constantly or had my parents do it. And, you know, I had a drum set when I was five, so I learned how to play, and I learned how to play Kiss music, and I just, I dressed up like Kiss. Every Halloween, it was Kiss. In, in between, it was Kiss. Everything was Kiss. And it was all about just the, the fire and the, <clears throat> the smoke and the lights and the colors. Each, each person in Kiss had their own color. You know, they had they had the solo albums and the, the solo albums were trimmed like Paul Stanley was purple and Gene Simmons was red, Peter Chris was green and Ace Freely was blue. And, you know, I don't know. I was just, I, I don't know how, but I, and I knew it then. I was like, that was my life. Everything was Kiss. There was nothing to me but Kiss. So, did that answer your question? Yes. Um... Would you like me to elaborate? My, my wife is over here totally stoked. Over here lost for words. She's like, I don't know what to say. I've never heard anybody say they were totally enamored with Kiss. But anyway. No. Um, as I collect my thoughts here. So, how would you say that they, as you got older, I mean, basically the idolizing of musicians, particularly Kiss, how did that affect the trajectory of your life? Well... I don't, I didn't know what was going on at right. the time, but I, I know, I look back and I can see that, you know, all their songs were about sex. All their songs were about alcohol. All their songs were about partying. All their songs were about power, you know, and I loved it. I ate it up. That's what I wanted. I didn't know much about sex. I knew a little bit, but not much. I mean, and this is at five. I did know a little bit, but I didn't know much. I didn't know anything about alcohol other than my parents drink all the time and I didn't want to be like that. So, but uh, the power, oh, the power was so cool. People would respect you. People will love you. People will want you. And I, I remember, what was it, the, the first grade that I took an Ace Freely album to school because we were allowed to bring an album in there. And I, it was my turn. So I brought this album so we could play it. And my first grade teacher was like, oh, I can't believe he brought this. And she was tripping. She did not want to play that album. She was scared to death. And I thought, man, how cool. I mean, I have power over my teacher. And she played it anyway because I said, you told me if I brought a record, you'd play it. 
<clears throat> you know, and just a little side note for all the adults out there. I wish my dad would have never found that picture. I wish my dad would have found out what it was and put a stop to it. I wish that teacher never had played that album. But they did. And I continued on from there. You know, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't until Kiss took their makeup off that I, I, and I kept listening to Kiss. I didn't give up on them. I just, I found another band, Motley Crue. I didn't know who they were. I walked into a radio shack, which our radio shack was just a, a little one room deal with a bunch of junky electronics. And I was a junior high and we had open campus. And I left I left at lunch and walked to Radio Shack to look at their tapes. And there's a Motley Crue shout at the devil tape in there. And I saw that. And these guys had makeup. They had the costumes. They had the lights. They had the fire. And I didn't know who they were or what they sounded like. I didn't even know if it was Motley Crue or Motley Crue. <laughs> but I bought the tape. And I was hooked on those guys. And it became any band that wore makeup. Uh, Twisted Sister, Poison, any of them. I didn't care. I was all, I mean, Wasp. I was all about these guys, and, and I had heard the music. I saw the bravado that these guys have, and it never dawned on me that they're basically dressing like a bunch of cross-dressers. What I got out of it was is the long hair, the makeup, the black leather clothes, and the attitude. That's what a real man is. And I'm going to be a real man just like them. Let's... So the 80s rock. Yeah. Which this is before we even had any behind the music type stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, they were putting out, which just like many musicians today, you, you knew what they sang about and you knew kind of what their lifestyle was, which it was all made to... The sex, drugs, and rock and roll was exciting and fun and yeah. no harm done. We're all just having a good time. And I mean, I think that even today, that's kind of the message that's put out is do what makes you feel good. We're all, have, we're all in this for a good time. Yeah. When the sad reality, even when you look at the bands back then, which, you know, Motley Crue, I loved what they, I lo they were fun. I liked their music. Yeah. But you take a book like Nikki Six's Heroin Diaries and you see the actual reality of the lifestyle that they were living. The dark sadness. Yeah, it's... You know, and it took me into adulthood to process this. Of course, without God, I mean, we're never an adult. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't care. Y'all think there's going to be people listening to this? Maybe. I'm hoping there's people that I went to school with. I got friends out there. They're still listening to to kiss with Motley Crue and all that. And I'm not downing you. I mean, I get it. But I don't listen to stuff like that very often anymore. And the reason why is because God has changed my life to the point where I don't relate to what they're saying. I mean, because used to, you know, it was all about the party and it was all about the fun. You know, it was about sex. <clears throat> and it was about alcohol. And it was about drugs. And it was about, you know, parties and rock and roll. It took, I mean, and... I was in my 40s, and I was still trying to live this dream out. And the Bible tells us that we are to watch what we hear, watch what we see, mm -hmm. 
to, in order to protect our hearts is whether or not we intentionally are meaning to, in a sense, it, it desensitizes you. Yeah. And it does. I mean, you know, like I said, I didn't have a church background. I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have this raising to tell me otherwise. And I remember there was a point in the 80s that I had a friend that I hung out with all the time named Joey. And he was a Christian. And his family were Christians. And he listened to this band called Petra. And it was rock, but it was Christian. And I would ride with him to school, or we'd go hang out. And this, but he, and he always had Petra going, and I learned the Petra songs. And I got to where I really liked it. And then he had Striper. They were even heavier. I was like, dude, and, you know, they kind of wear makeup. They got the costumes. They got the lights. It's everything. But the message was always about Jesus. And I became influenced by that. And... I remember, you know, my, I guess, sophomore year, I went to church with Joey, and there was a guy that came in our Sunday school class, and he gave this testimony. And he was probably in his mid-20s, but he was talking, he, he told my whole life. I mean, he was duplicating my life in his testimony. And it really got to me. And I remember going to Joey and talking to him about it. And Joey's just like, well, do you want to pray and become saved? And I was like, yeah, I do. So I did. And for a long time, I became a champion for the cause of Jesus. I had several friends that, you know, I guess I influenced them, so they kind of followed around and did what I did. And a lot of people at the school made fun of us and called us the God Squad. <laughs> but we didn't care. You know, we did what we did. But unfortunately, I was not being equipped to, to lead. I was kind of out on my own, and I allowed life to come back in. And I just eventually walked away from it and went back to my old ways. But actually, when I went back, I went back twice as hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know the Bible talks about you, you know, sweep your, <laughs> sweep your house clean and they'll come, the demons will come back seven times harder. But man, I'm telling you, I mean, I was in law enforcement for 15 years. I got out of law enforcement and immediately started playing music. I was like, you know, I've already done one of my goals and I'm going to do this other one. And so I set out and I got, you know, in a couple of professional bands and went out and did some touring, you know, for as much as it is in these times. It's not like it was in the 80s. But I made sure that I did everything I could to get my 80s out of it. And I put on the guy liner, I put on the earrings and the lip ring and the bandana and the leather wristbands and, you know, the tight shirts and the, you know, boots and all that mess. And I went out and grabbed a bottle of vodka and I got my 80s hair metal on every night when I was playing either rock or country, it didn't matter. And I chased after women and I began to use drugs and I did everything that I remember seeing the, all my 80s idols do because I was going to keep that era alive. You know, somebody needs to bring it back, and by golly, it's going to be me. And that's, that's what I was dead set on. And I remember thinking about Chris Holmes, the lead guitar for Wasp, and watching him in a documentary when he was laying in his pool 
with a bottle of vodka and he was just chugging the entire bottle, laying in the pool in a floaty in front of his mom. And he was doing it for the interview, but his mom was almost in tears watching him about how her son was just such an alcoholic. And I remember doing the same stuff and not looking at it and thinking how dangerous that was, but thinking how cool that was. I'm just like Chris Holmes, man, and I could handle it. And I could say, because I was drinking a bottle of vodka a day without a problem. And it wasn't because I felt like I had to. It was because that's what I had to do to be the person I wanted to be. So <clears throat> that was the influence that music had on me, you know, from five years old on up. And I hear people all the time talking about, man, what music does to me, the way it makes me feel, the way it influences me. Well, that's what it was doing to me. And we all go different directions, but a lot of people, they're very swayed by music. And I think that we're designed that way, but it's God designed it that way, that music is supposed to play a big role, but it is supposed to be his music. That's his music. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what music was designed for. I mean, the way I understand it was the, you know, the devil was the, the one that invented the music when he was still an angel in heaven. He was the chief musician is what I understand. That's and it was designed, I mean, music was designed to worship God before this earth was ever created. But see, if, if you'll check out those scriptures, because it'll, it'll go into a little bit of that, you know, a couple of scriptures that this is what comes to mind when I think about this subject, about what's you know what's happening. <clears throat> I guess with the, you know what the devil does and how we don't realize what the devil's doing in our lives. All right, so let's First Peter five eight says, "Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour." And you know when I when I hear that, there, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little thing out here. I, I heard this deal from a preacher several years ago, and he was talking about how there was a guy driving through the jungle with his son, and uh, he's just driving out on this dirt road, and he's having vehicle trouble. So he pulls over, and his son gets out, and he says, "Daddy, I'm gonna play right here." And he goes, "Okay, son, don't go too far away. Just stay here with me." And he's, the dad's under the hood, and he's looking. Well, he, <clears throat> a couple minutes later, he looks, and his son's about 10 feet away from him. He goes, son, don't go any further than that. I need you to stay here with me. Okay, daddy. Well, he's back under the hood. A little bit later, he looks, and the son's about 20 feet away. And he yells at him, son, stop moving off out there. It's dangerous out here. Don't go any further. Okay, daddy. Well, a few minutes later, he looks up from the hood. Now his son's about you know, 30, 40 feet away from him. And he says, son, stop doing that. Don't, you know, stop moving. And then as he's looking at his son, a few feet away from that, there's a bush. And next to that bush is a lion. And that lion's sitting there bobbing back and forth. He's been stalking this little boy. And he's just moving back and forth. He's getting ready to pounce. And the dad yells, son, run, come back to me, come back to me. And then the son said, what? And before the son had a chance, the lion springs out, grabs the boy, and runs off with him. And what that story represents is that we have God, our Father, that's always trying to watch over us and trying to protect us. But we're always having something, just 
gradually move us away. And we get further away and our Father's calling us. But instead of us listening, you know, we think we know what's best and we think we're okay and we think everything's fine. So we move a little further away from him, not even knowing that we're doing it. But while we're doing that, the devil is out there searching around to see who he can kill, steal, and destroy. And every time I, you know, think about my life, that day that my dad brought me that picture in 1975, I feel like that's the day that the lion reached out and grabbed me and ran off. What's the other scripture that you got? Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. But I am not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Yep, and that's that's the other scripture that I was reminded of thinking about this. When I looked at that picture and I saw those lights. I know that there's some people out there that you've looked at an album cover and you've seen, especially a live deal. You know, Kiss Alive, Kiss Alive 2, the lighting, the stage lighting. I mean, it's just, it's mesmerizing to me. I mean, I'm sure there's other people, you know, Pink Floyd, other bands like that. You just look at it and it just captures your attention. And I see that and it's like, you know, the devil is called the angel of light because we see him and it's, it's, we're almost like a crow. We see that shiny object and we're like, oh, I got to have that. I got to go to that. But when you get to it, you find out it's not what you thought it was. But, you know, all this being said, I, I was talking to my wife yesterday and I was amazed. I hadn't really thought that much about it that, Since I gave my life to God and he's been changing my life and changing the way that I think, there's things that don't affect me anymore. I looked at a a video of Kiss yesterday and I kind of laughed. I was like, I see them for what they are. I mean, they're people. You know, I don't, I wouldn't laugh at them because they look funny. I was just, it's like, I don't know why I was so enamored with these people. I don't know what it was about them. They caught my attention so much. I mean, if you stop and think about it, a bunch of men wearing makeup, you know, wearing, I guess what you'd call stripper boots. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> and calling themselves Kiss. I mean, it's actually kind of funny, but, you know, it is what it is. But... uh I started thinking, you know, but all the other stuff, the sex that I was so addicted to, you know, the fetishes that I had, the pervertedness that went through my mind, you know, but God took that and he, he took that away. You know, the drinking the copious amounts of alcohol or, you know, using Coke because I wanted to feel better or feel different or experience something new. You know, but with God, every day is new. And I, I mean, no, I don't have any urge to do those things. I mean, I could easily do anything I want. You know, but I don't have the urge to do any of those things. He's, he's given me the mind of Christ. And I truly am different than what I was. And I can focus on him. I can focus on his word. I can focus on those things that are true and righteous and I don't have to focus on those other things anymore. Before I was saved, I didn't have a choice. 
there was an urge to listen to that music. There was an urge to live that lifestyle, to think on that lifestyle. And today there's no urge to do any of that. And, you know, God gave me a wife that's the same. And together we work we work together. She's my other half. She's my my partner. We do things together. And it's only because God took what was old and he stripped all that sinful nature away and he made us new. And you know, I encourage people that's 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 your Christianity. It's it's the relationship that you have with Christ and you see the evidence because you want to be with him as much as he wants to be with you and you allow him to strip those things away. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not going to sit here and say, well, if you listen to that music, you're going to hell. It's not about listening to the music. If you allow that music to influence your life and dictate your life and you emulate it, that might be the case. You know, I had, I've had friends ask me because, you know, I used to play in bands all the time and I refuse to play secular music anymore because I just don't feel it. But I've had people say, well, can you still play in the clubs and, you know, do all that stuff and be saved? And I think it's a possibility. I think it depends on where you're at and how you're handling it. I had a, a friend named Tony Calhoun and he was a bass player. I played a few shows with him and, uh, he's, he continued to play in the clubs, but he was a Christian man and he witnessed everywhere he went. I never saw him drinking or getting drunk. And he continued to witness until the day that he died. And I really don't have any doubt of where he's at. So I don't think all this stuff's cut and dry. I think it's, you know, it's between you and God. But and I but, think something like that comes down to trying to be legalistic about it. Yeah, it does. Does playing a song in a bar, does that make you, does that cause you to go to hell? No, but where, where is your life? Where is your motive? Where is your focus? And if you have a relationship with God, he does change you over time yeah. from the inside out to where you like you, you mentioned that you don't have any desire to play secular music anymore. And I think, you know, unless that's a particular call on your life, and I think in some circumstances that could be for somebody. Okay. But for most of us, I, I think he just changes us so much that that's not, you know, that's not even the life that we want to be around anymore because we're just so far removed from it. I mean, I think about when you and I went on our a date night, I don't know, a year or two ago, actually. But and we, I used to love going to piano bars. Yeah. And we ventured into a piano bar, hadn't been in one in years, and was just kind of caught, taken back by even just the foul language that was used. I had, it didn't bother me back in the day. I hadn't even thought about it and wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, well, there'll be bad words. Like, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. But once we were there, and we're there with the foul language, and we're there with a bunch of people that were highly intoxicated, <laughs> and you start going, well, I don't feel like I fit in here anymore. <laughs> no, I was super uncomfortable in there. I was and like, it, I got I to mean, go. if I went back there 
frequently just maybe because I want to hear a dueling journey song. I don't know. Would that cause me to go to hell? Absolutely not. But God has changed me to where that's not my desire. But, but if I force myself to go in there regularly, would I begin to change the way I felt about my relationship with God and the way I feel about the music? And that's that's where my thing comes from. It's like we've heard people talk about, you know, that ministers have gone into strip clubs and they've ministered to people. You know, I never was a big strip club fan to begin with. I went to them. I could go into a strip club and I could minister to somebody. I don't really want to. It's just not where I want to be. But if that's where God called me to go, I would. But And I'm always telling people, you know, I get it. You go to bars and you want to hang out and this and that. But the last time I was in a bar was in Nashville, Tennessee. And I spent my entire time in there drinking a Coke and witnessing to somebody the entire time I was in there for two hours. I didn't even get past the bar. I stood at the bar and witnessed to a friend of mine for two hours. And that's all I wanted to do in there. I didn't want to listen to music. I didn't want to have a drink. I didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to tell this band about the love of Jesus and how he changed my life. And I feel like the fact that I was in a bar had no bearing on it because of what I was doing. But I feel like if I go into a bar and I want to sit there and and get intoxicated and I want to sit there and talk about, you know, this week's gossip, you know, the intoxication is a sin. Gossiping is a sin. If I want to talk about sexual things, that's a sin. If I want to think about, or if I want to sing songs about getting drunk and about sleeping with somebody, committing fornication or adultery, that's a sin. So, I mean, why? Why even bother? Why even get in that situation? And we are supposed to protect our hearts. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, when the Bible says that, he's not just, he's not talking about keeping yourself from getting hurt. He's talking about keeping your heart pure. Yep. And for him, and when you're, when what you're feeding your mind and your heart is of the world and not of him, then you're going to slip back into the world. That's true. Well, guys, I think that's going to be it for this subject. It's just our musings and ramblings and whatever, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. That's what we decided with this podcast. We're not even going to try to be serious about it. We just going to come. I mean, we are serious, but you know what I mean. We're just going to go in here and we're going to talk about subjects that mean something to us, things that we believe God has given us revelation on, how God has changed us, and hopefully somebody out there will you know, have some relation to this stuff. If I mean, we're going to, we're going to have this on, I don't know, Apple play. I don't know what all this thing goes on. It's going to be on Facebook. I know that. So, I mean, if you, if you actually listen to this and you get this far to the end and you know, if you got questions or you got any suggestions, if you got anything, just say something, you know, we get several views. I mean, we appreciate it. I just would love to, you know, let's have some interaction if anybody wants to be a part of it. Anyway, so for Chris and Lindsay and Revive the Church, we want to thank you, say God bless you, and have a great day.